G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Coming up today on The Story. He produced a string of hospitals across the outback. He also had patrol padres. These were men who would ride on camels or horses or whatever, and later on in motor cars, and they would ride out to the different properties, and uh, they uh, helped them spiritually, physically, in all different ways. So Flynn's work wasn't only being done by the flying doctor. The story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Today we have part two of our conversation with author Ivan Rudolph, who's sharing with us about the incredible life journey of Presbyterian Minister John Flynn. Ivan's book is called John Flynn of Flying Doctors. And as we heard last time, Flynn made a huge impact on Australian history and is even featured on our $20 note. Flynn was the founder of the Australian Inland Mission, as well as the founder of the Royal Flying Doctor Service, the world's first air ambulance. Once again, Ivan Rudolph is chatting with Eric Scatterbo. Welcome back to the program from the Sunshine Coast. Ivan Rudolph, welcome back. Thank you, Eric. And uh, it's a privilege to be able to talk a little more about Flynn and how he served the Australian people. And one trend I heard when you were speaking last time is John Flynn was the kind of person who said, okay, here's a problem. Let's try to find a solution. So the first problem he saw was that in the outback and remote areas, there was no spiritual input, no spiritual growth happening. So he, as a missionary, went to the outback as a missionary to provide some of that spiritual nourishment. But then while he was there, he saw about the problem for medical needs and the problem for women not wanting to be in the outback because there was no medical attention. So is that kind of the trend that we were hearing last time of John Flynn seeing a need and then coming up with an innovative way of fulfilling that need? Is that kind of his theme? Yes, and I think we finished just talking a little bit about Alf Traeger and solving the problems of being able to contact by radio the other people, not just our flying doctor base when one's available because one wasn't available yet, but uh, also be able to minister to the aching loneliness that many people on properties had oh, yeah. in particular. Yeah. So there was such isolation out there. So the problem was you had a need for medical attention. How do you get doctors to fly out to where the medical need was? You needed a radio. So he tried to come up with a way of having a radio that was practical to use that is not too complicated. So he came up with this idea of a pedal-operated radio. So they're pedaling while chatting. Is that the idea? Yes, absolutely. And while you pedaled, the little generator would um, produce electricity very smoothly because, of course, Alf Traeger was a genius and it wasn't really similar to how uh, we used to cycle on bicycles and turn on the lights and the little generator on the tires would... um, light up the road in front Mm -hmm. and of course when something uh, happened uh, everything went dark (laughs) it wasn't always the best idea and of course batteries nowadays solve that problem but there was nothing different in of that kind of 
a sophistication in uh, the days when I used to cycle like that at night. So um, once Alf Traeger had solved the problems, and quite often the men would find it very funny to see the women peddling away madly. <laughs> and as one said, you know, we watch them pedal, but they don't get anywhere. <laughs> that was their sort of amusing um, observation. But um, once he'd done that, he had at last given the bush a voice. Mm. And it did mean that a flying doctor service now was possible for the women to be able to call mm-hmm. on a central station and a flying doctor to fly out to where the particular problem was. It wasn't very simple to be able to simply jump in an aeroplane and uh, fly out because there were no airstrips out in the bush. What mm-hmm. the property owners had to do was quickly find some level ground and uh, clear the bushes and stuff off it. And um, then when they heard the flying doctor plane coming, they would have to go out and inspect that there weren't uh, kangaroos and (laughs) emus and so on um, endangering the flight. And they would uh, get these animals off the uh, landing ground and then uh, meet the plane when it landed and um, take the doctor very quickly to wherever the emergency was. That became the concept of what Flynn uh, was setting up. But before that concept became possible, he had to have an aeroplane that could do that work. So yet another challenge that had to be overcome. Oh, yes, yes. And uh, the other thing is that he had to get a way to allow the people in the bush to have confidence in radio that it's something they could use and would be of benefit to them because it was a newfangled thing from Mm -hmm. the cities and, you know, they don't often accept that kind of thing readily. And so uh, when they decided that Cloncurry would be their first flying doctor base, small town in Queensland, he knew he would have to popularize the wireless sets. And it was just, again, the way God does things. He arrived on Melbourne Cup Day. Now, Melbourne Cup in Australia is a horse race that stops a nation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I was a school teacher, and uh, when it was Melbourne Cup, you'd put it on the um, video screen or the TV screen, and the kids would watch. There was no way that anyone would listen to anything you were going to say or do (laughs) while the Melbourne Cup was on. And these were the kids coming from Bush families. So somehow, because a lot of the men on properties, of course, loved their horses and uh, would have uh, local kind of races and race meetings and stuff, Mm -hmm. the Melbourne Cup was a very special event. And it just so happened that he arrived there on the day of the Melbourne Cup. And uh, he suddenly realizes, he said to Alf Traeger, he said, I think God's delivered Cloncurry into our hands. And what he did was he got Traeger to set up a speaker up on a pole. Mm -hmm. And he then started to broadcast very loudly because uh, they then had the equipment that could do this. He started to broadcast very loudly the commentary that was coming from Melbourne. (laughs) And um, the crowd quickly gathered and were entranced as the uh, race developed. And actually, the winner was the local favorite. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) It all all worked very well. And Flynn said, well, if you want to know more about this and how helpful it can be to you, come to such and such a venue and uh, I'll tell you more. 
and uh, the place was packed. And yeah. the, the people yeah. were convinced that radio was a way of the future. It wasn't yet, of course, available, but it was the way of the future, and they were excited about it and quite prepared to support the Flying Doctor base when it was uh, started there. That's fantastic. So before radio, people would only find out about the winner through the newspaper a few days later. Is that right? Well, usually most of the small towns would have a telegraph office. Oh, okay. And so it would be hammered out and the telegraph guy would say, such and such a horse is one. And, you know, that would be the sort of level. But there was no capacity to actually listen to a sporting event. Nowadays, of course, we see them freely on television. But uh, in those days, it was nothing like that. And so this was a huge innovation. And just as people have accepted uh, TV around the world as something that could add to their lives, the people in the bush immediately, or people in Cloncurry, immediately saw that this newfangled innovation, when it came out to the bush, could certainly add to their lives. And they were very supportive of uh, Flynn at that time. In fact, he depended on their support and also very much on the support of the women on the properties because they were the ones who were going to have to operate the uh, wireless systems Mm -hmm. by voice, thankfully, now because of Traeger's work. But uh, they were going to have to be able to operate them and call for a flying doctor when they needed him. And Mm -hmm. there were a lot of innovations that uh, slowly were put together, one of which, uh, quite interesting, I think, was that uh, when they received their sets, the wireless sets, they also received a chart of the human body with Mm -hmm. all the different parts of the body numbered. Oh, wow. So that they didn't have to try and use big biological names of where the yeah. uh, problem was. Uh, uh, they just could say to the flying doctor, there's a problem at 4B. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he would know immediately what they were talking oh, wow. about and be able to guide the conversation, ask yeah. questions and uh, get some concept before yeah. he even flew of what the problem might be. They could say something like, uh, number 26 is hurting. Or it's swollen. That's or, right. <laughs> wow, that's cool. And he Ingenious. might say, well, yeah. have you tried aspirin? And, uh, you know, oh, no, no, it's much worse <laughs> than that. And so yeah. the conversation would flow and he'd get a pretty good idea of um, what it was like. And so now the missing thing, of course, was an airplane yes, that's that right. could carry a doctor to these kind of mm-hmm. bush airstrips and uh, that could fly without any kind of radar to guide the plane, so it could never fly at night. And uh, he would need to also be able to have a map to guide him to whichever property he was flying to. Now, maps in those days of the outback were very crude. Mm -hmm. And so the first flying doctor had to be someone absolutely essentially skilled, And I'll come to him in a minute, but I'd like to mention that um, Flynn had been negotiating with Hudson Fish, who actually was the founder of the Qantas uh, airline. Oh, wow. And he'd been negotiating with uh, Hudson Fish, who was a friend of his, Mm -hmm. to develop a plane that could carry a stretcher because so many of the patients would need to be stretched out. Mm -hmm. And Flynn would try and... uh, twist Hudson Fisher's arm to um, get one of these planes uh, <laughs> built 
And Fish just said, look, we, we're not at that stage in aviation uh, development that we can actually supply you with what you need. Mm. And this kind of conversation went on for some years. And then in 1928, Fish uh, contacted Flynn and said, look, I do have the plane. Mm-hmm. It's available now and it would carry a flying doctor and it could be adjusted to enable a patient to be collected and flown back to a uh, suitable hospital. You're listening to The Story. Today, author Ivan Rudolph is once again sharing with us about the incredible life journey of Presbyterian Minister John Flynn, who was the founder of the Australian Inland Mission, as well as the founder of what became known as the Royal Flying Doctor Service, the world's first air ambulance. We'll hear more of John Flynn's story when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. Today, author Ivan Rudolph is once again sharing with us about the life of John Flynn, the Presbyterian minister who founded the Australian Inland Mission as well as the Royal Flying Doctor Service. Before the break, we heard how in 1928 a suitable plane was found that could carry patients from remote outback areas to a nearby hospital. Now we're going to hear more about John Flynn's life and the history of the Royal Flying Doctor Service. not widely known, but the first person to do a flying doctor flight was a close personal friend of Flynn's, Dr. Geordie Simpson. Mm -hmm. And he, like a lot of doctors, had many other skills. He wasn't simply a doctor, but, you know, I know doctors who are good carpenters and uh, who do all sorts of other things too, electronic stuff and so on. Um, What Geordie Simpson did was he took on the task of being able to put a stretcher in this uh, plane that they now had Mm -hmm. and uh, just test whether it would work. And um, then there was an emergency call from Mount Isa Mines in Mm -hmm. the north of Queensland Mm -hmm. that a miner's life was in danger. He had a broken back. And um, so Simpson loaded this man onto the stretcher he designed himself for the plane Mm -hmm. and he flew him to hospital where the miner survived and not only survived but he broadcast to everyone how comfortable flying was compared to being a patient in the back of a wagon carted along a dirt tracks or in a car yeah you know they had some of these big old dodgers that could have acted as uh, road ambulances but would have taken a lot longer and the tracks were really very bumpy quite often impossible in places and uh, so he became very much a spokesman for how wonderful the flying doctor service was so uh, that that I thought was very nice for Flynn because Flynn was still having enormous problems trying to convince people that this would be the way forward. And um, so then the problem was, now that they've proven that the flying doctor could work Mm -hmm. and that he could 
transport passengers to hospital in a comfortable way, very quickly compared to trying to struggle along bush tracks. The issue was who could he interest who had certain special skills to come and be the world's first flying doctor. And he was very clear about this, that Mm -hmm. this had to be a success. If there was an accident or problem or a crash, worst of all, uh, it would just actually squash the whole uh, project of flying doctors because a lot of people, including a number of people on church's uh, governing board, believed that the whole concept was too dangerous and uh, shouldn't be something that they were involved with. Anyway, uh, so Flynn started to put adverts in the paper to try and uh, hook a uh, good flying doctor, and Kenyon St. Vincent Welsh, who was a very well-respected surgeon already, but who had been unable to serve in the First World War and had wanted to serve Australia in some way. He volunteered that he would do the work, and he did it on a um, on a salary, but mm-hmm. it was a very small salary compared to what he would have continued to earn if he'd stayed in the city. Anyway, he came and he did a truly amazing work during the first flying doctor year. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'd like to mention too that while Flynn had been producing a string of hospitals that some of them were used by the flying doctor, of course, but um, he produced a string of hospitals across the outback. He also had patrol padres These were men who would ride on camels or horses or whatever, and later on in motor cars, and they would ride out to the different properties. And Flynn had uh, some modus operandi that he said that they had to follow. And one thing was never to pass anyone by. You always stopped and spoke, Mm -hmm. because there weren't that many people, of course, on the track. And if um, that person needed a hand, uh, you gave that whatever you could to them at that Mm -hmm. time. So they didn't go necessarily from property to property, but they went from person to person Mm -hmm. in a way. And uh, they uh, helped them spiritually, physically, in all different ways. So Flynn's work wasn't only being done by the flying doctor, which Mm -hmm. uh, because it's been um, so incredibly helpful and adopted by other nations around the world, he is most famous for. He also never neglected the person on the ground. And he said things like, if you come across a couple of, as happened, uh, babies, twins, because twins were considered bad luck sometimes, if you see them being left out to die, you pick them up and you take them and you look after them and you give them to one of the nurses at one of the hospitals and they will uh, look after them. And mm-hmm. this sort of thing yeah. was the kind of unusual uh, ministry that these uh, bush men, um, bush uh, pastors did for Flynn. So what we had was Flynn's bigger vision was what he called the blanket of safety over Australia. And to backtrack a little bit, He always had on his notepaper, long before he had a flying doctor service or anything Mm -hmm. like that, his heading was for the nation of Australia, for Christ and continent. And uh, the concept was that his vision was to change the whole of Australia for the better. 
mm-hmm. and uh, to Christianize uh, a lot of the thinking and so on. And so uh, that was his big plan. And he had this vision of not just flying doctors and not just hospitals, but also people going from property to property, not because there's an emergency, mm-hmm. but just because the people there needed help. Uh, these um, Bush pastors who did that work, they uh, would conduct marriages and um, funerals and all sorts of things yeah. that uh, were necessary out there, but they would also go and help dig uh, wells and um, fix fences and all that kind of oh, thing. Wow. They, were, they, they gained a tremendous amount of credibility yeah. amongst the people of the bush. Yeah, so what I'm hearing here is that obviously... John Flynn was concerned about the whole person. Obviously, you had people who were dying because of emergencies and illnesses. So he came up with the whole idea of the flying doctors to meet that need. But also, you have people who are in need of spiritual nourishment, who don't know about church or don't know about God or Jesus. So he also met that need. And he was the superintendent of the Australian Inland Mission. So sometimes, I guess you could forget, he was so busy with the doctor service, the flying doctor service, but he was also concerned about people's spiritual well-being as a missionary. That's a great point, Eric. Mm -hmm. And um, yes, he was. And he always looked ahead, too. Mm -hmm. He realized that his radio network, when it was better established, could actually supply distance education to children on properties who were often frustrated and their mothers were frustrated because they couldn't um, answer the questions and do the home education that they can nowadays, of course. Home education Mm -hmm. nowadays, they've got a lot of facilities to help them, but in those days they didn't. And so he hoped that his radio network that he was setting up would one day be able to minister to that need. And it's not only done that through distance education, but it's also enabled Australia to become a leader in various agricultural projects and things, Mm -hmm. and has indirectly brought millions of dollars to Australia. But Flynn himself, money to him were just the rations that God supplied. Mm -hmm. He never made money himself and put it away. Uh, When he died, he had very, very little. Mm -hmm. But um, that was the man. He had visionary faith. Exactly. He attempted things no one else would have tried. Exactly. Um, Well, unfortunately, we're running out of time, but I thought we would end with talking about John Flynn's faith and his legacy. Right. Well, his legacy continues around the world, not just in Australia Mm -hmm. and not just in the radio networks and not just in the Flying Doctors, but in a lot of different um, parts of the inland in particular, he's respected very much for his Christian faith and his Christian stance. Uh, That that was a great thing. Um, He was very careful in his selection of uh, people to serve that they had a vibrant Christian faith Mm -hmm. and that they could uh, help people on a spiritual level as well as on practical levels. So his faith, very few people have a faith that adventures like Flynn had. He had this faith that was prepared to attempt the impossible Mm -hmm. in the eyes of uh, logical people and of his superiors because they would be frustrated by Flynn's faith. But uh, as he said, and as I mentioned previously, he always said, God will supply the rations, and God did. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like he was really a vision caster. He was ahead of his time, and he would cast a vision, and other people would come on board and help him in practical ways to make that vision a reality. Yes, 
that's a very good description for Flynn. He was a dream seller, as mm-hmm. I put yeah. it. He, that's what he did. And he eventually died in 1951. I'm reading here, it says that Flynn will be remembered for his compassion and perseverance, his commitment, practical wisdom, and single-mindedness in completing the work God called him to do. Does that kind of sum it up? Absolutely. Very well expressed, Eric. Thank you for that. Well, thank you so much, Ivan Rudolph, for sharing John Flynn's story. What an amazing life he led. And thank you so much for sharing it with us today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. That was part two of our conversation with author Ivan Rudolph, who's been sharing with us about the incredible life journey of Presbyterian Minister John Flynn, who pioneered the Royal Flying Doctor Service and was the founder of the Australian Inland Mission. Ivan's book is called John Flynn of Flying Doctors. Well, it was great to hear about Flynn's incredible faith. He had a dream of how technology that had barely been invented could be used, and he had faith that God would provide the people and resources needed to make things happen. And over and over, his dream did become reality and were a blessing to many. His epitaph fittingly reads, Flynn of the Inland. His vision encompassed the continent. He brought to lonely places a spiritual ministry and spread a mantle of safety over them by medicine, aviation and radio. What an incredible legacy he leaves behind. And I have to say, as a Christian, it makes me proud to know that a fellow Australian Christian has helped so many people and has had such a deep lasting impact. I'm sure the Lord welcomed him to heaven by saying, well done, good and faithful servant. Flynn led a life that should inspire all of us to dream big dreams for the Lord. Well, thanks for joining us for the conclusion of John Flynn's story. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life.